from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. PQ Beat is the official podcast of the Parksville Qualicum Beach News. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. I'm Peter McCauley. Emergency management organizations have been kept busy the past few years throughout the local area with weather events like flooding and wildfires. We're joined today by Kate Pocock, the Emergency Program Coordinator for the City of Parksville. Thanks for joining us today, Kate. Thanks for inviting me in, Peter. There are a number of emergency programs in the neighboring areas. Perhaps you could tell us which communities have programs and how they work. Absolutely. Provincial law requires that local governments prepare for, respond to, and recover from emergencies and disasters. How that is organized in each local government can change, but at some level, every community has an emergency program. Some communities choose to contract the requirement out to other emergency programs. Some communities have standalone emergency programs, while others have regional programs that cover multiple communities. In Parksville, Qualicum Beach, the city of Parksville, town of Qualicum Beach, and the regional district of Nanaimo all have their own individual municipal emergency programs. What we also have is an official agreement in place that the three programs will work together as Emergency Management Oceanside. It's an official partnership between the emergency programs, and we agree to share our resources and share our training so that we can increase the efficiency and the effectiveness of the emergency management in all three communities. I understand that Emergency Management Oceanside provides preparedness programs for the community. Absolutely. Personal preparedness is crucial for community resilience. We can all take steps, simple steps, to become more personally prepared. That is, to be able to provide for ourselves, for our family, for our households, in the days and hours immediately after an event, such as an emergency or a disaster. But quite often that can seem quite overwhelming. There's a lot of questions that come when we start talking about emergency preparedness. Things like, where do you even start? Or I have limited finances. What's the most important thing for me to start with? How much water should I have? Where should I keep it? So what we do at Emergency Management Oceanside is we focus on getting out in the community through presentations, simple question and answer sessions, and just being available at the end of the phone to answer questions for our community members so that we can make it a slightly less daunting task. We have to be prepared if a disaster happens that we could be experiencing significant damage throughout the communities that could be loss of utilities, that could be building collapses, that could be casualties. And so we have to understand that the resources that we have in this area are going to be stretched. That involves the resources of people who are available to respond. That could be utilities, that could be food, that could be everything involved in the supply chain. So what we encourage members of the population to do is to be ready to look after yourself, set up camp, if that's in your home, your yard, a place in your community, and look after yourselves without electricity, without running water for at least a couple of days, thereby just reducing the draw on the limited resources that we'll have in place in the days immediately after an emergency or disaster. And Emergency Management Oceanside also is involved in training local government staff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Under that provincial legislation that's required of us, we are required to train all of the staff who might be involved in the response and recovery operations so that they can do their jobs safely and efficiently. 
most emergencies that happen, because emergencies happen every day, most emergencies will be responded to and recovered from entirely by our fantastic first responders, fire, police, ambulance, search and rescue. They have all the resources available to completely respond to, recover from, and get us back to that pre-emergency state without needing additional resources. Occasionally, their resources won't be enough to get the job done. They'll need additional resources from outside. And that's where the city of Parksville or the town of Qualicum could set up an emergency operations center and it would be city staff who are then sourcing those resources, either from pre-existing contracts, from regional partners, from the provincial government. And it's those city staff who may Monday to Friday be in the finance department or working for the water utilities in the city of operations who are going to be filling those jobs of sourcing the resources, doing public communications, liaising with the provincial government. So we train them in advance so that on those days when they're needed to be sitting in an emergency operations centres, they can do their jobs to the best of their abilities. Kate, that training probably came in pretty handy recently with the wildfire in Port Alberni, wherein Highway Number 4 was closed down. What were you and your colleagues doing in real time during that closure? It was a busy time, for sure. Initially, when the wildfire happened and the road was still open, we were focusing purely on information gathering. It was about getting the best picture of what was happening, what looked like the actions were going to be needed in the future, the fire was entirely within BC Wildfire's jurisdiction, and so BC Wildfire were amazing. They gave us plenty of regular updates, and we knew what the situation was. Then, when the wildfire caused the highway to be closed due to the instability of that slope, the work started to happen late into the evening. There was a lot of meetings. CAOs between local governments were in discussions. I was in discussion with the provincial government, with Emergency Management Climate Readiness, their Emergency Management Ministry, calls with other emergency programs, and also lots of meetings in emergency management Oceanside within the team members ourselves. Then when the detour route was established and the assessments began on that slope as to how long the highway was going to be closed, we had daily coordination calls. That was coordination calls hosted by the province. BC Wildfire was in attendance, as were upwards of 90 other participants on the line. We're talking Ministry of Transportation, Emergency Health Services, all of the local governments that were affected by that road closure. Uh, it's quite amazing when you think about all the partners that are involved in organizing a response to something like that. It seemed like the information came pretty quickly as well because a lot of folks on the PQB News website, of course, to see that the road was closed, but not that long afterwards, it was announced that there was indeed a detour road. Definitely. Our job is to make sure that the communications are going out and that the information that's going out is trustworthy and is verified. So that was one of our key jobs was just collecting that trusted information. But yeah, the partners who were involved in setting up detour routes, they were working through the night at very long hours and they have fantastic communications groups that were communicating every step of the way to us. Let's hope you don't have to go through that anytime soon. I'll keep my fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> so volunteers make the world go round, of course, and your group is no different. You've got two dedicated teams of volunteers, I understand. We have two fantastic groups of volunteers. We have our emergency support services group yes, and our emergency communications team, ECT. Both groups meet weekly or monthly. They train very hard and they're available 24-7, 365 days a year. ES, the emergency support services, provides resources for people who've been displaced from their homes due to an emergency. That could be a fire, it could be a flood, it could be a landslide, anything that causes them to have to leave their homes. And what they do is they meet with the people and they connect them to anything that they need in order to just get by for the next 72 hours. That could be 
providing them with accommodation, linking them to a hotel that's got space for their family. That could be providing them with gift certificates for a grocery store or a restaurant so that they can eat for three days. Or it could be down to providing them with vouchers so that they can buy a phone charger or buy diapers for a baby or dog food for their dog. The communications team, on the other hand, works closely with ESS, but as the name suggests, communications is the game. They're there to provide emergency communications when our regular communication methods go down. So that could be cell phone tower outages, it could be emails out, it could be phone lines are down. They're ready to set up a radio system so that we can have voice over radio down to setting up entire high-speed internet over radio or something as old-fashioned as Morse code. These people are ready to go, highly technically trained, and it's amazing what they can do with a radio. I want to go back to something you mentioned when you were talking about the highway foreclosure, that you had 90 people on the phone. So I assume that there are larger emergency management groups regionally than provincially, mushrooms out? Yeah, we try to work really closely with regional partners. So we have close communications with Comox Regional District, with Alberni Clayquart, within the regional district of Nanaimo and down into Cowichan, just because they are our closest partners. But also on a wider scale, we have the Mid-Island Emergency Coordinators and Managers Group. So that's everybody from Cowichan Valley Regional District all the way up to the northernmost tip of Vancouver Island. And we get together every other month. We sit together, sometimes in a room, sometimes virtually, and we discuss everything emergency management. We can talk about supply chain issues. We can talk about grant funding options. We can talk about our experiences, what's happened within our communities in that month. And it's really about making connections with the people who we're going to rely on most and also learning from people who are going through different things in their communities. And then on a wider scale still, we have the BC Association of Emergency Managers. And that's really like MIECM, but for the entire province. And they work on higher level. So what they're doing is they're facilitating engagement sessions with emergency managers from across the province as we discuss with the provincial government as they go about updating that Emergency Program Act, the legislation that governs what each community is required to do under provincial law for emergency management. And that's where knowing these folks comes in handy because they have their stories they can tell about Mm -hmm. a particular emergency that they've just been a part of. Yeah, so much of it is practical. It's just about thinking about different ways to solve problems. And when you learn from other people who've done it, that's the best way to learn. If our listeners would like more information on assessments and making plans for emergencies, ESS and that type of thing, where would they go online for more information? We have a really good website. It's full of lots of information and resources about emergency preparedness. It's emergencyoceanside.ca. And if you can't find the information on there, absolutely give me a call at my office, send me an email and I'll get in touch and I'm happy to sit and discuss emergency preparedness. What else is on the website, which is a really useful resource, is a copy of the hazard and risk vulnerability assessment that was completed in 2019. And that was a process that was done City of Parksville, Town of Qualicum, Regional District of Nanaimo, and it assessed all of the hazards that could potentially affect our communities. And it ranked all of the hazards based on the risk that they cause us. And 53 hazards were listed in that, and that took into consideration expertise and knowledge from a wide variety of partners, including responders, engineers, subject matter experts from across the region. And so it's really useful for members of the community to look at that, see our top five or ten hazards, and know what we're planning to respond to and what they can take simple steps to start planning for as well. Thanks for joining us today, Kate. Thank you for inviting me in. Kate Pocock is the Emergency Program Coordinator for the City of Parksville. 
That's this edition of PQ Beat. If you have comments or suggestions, you'll find our contact information on our website, pqbnews.com. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media.